What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host for today, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V, and this is episode 140 here. Uh, this is our Week 7 NAIA Women's Flag Football Recap of this 2022 season here. And oh boy, it was a pretty good week. Following kind of a down week um, back in week six. Not too many games to talk about. But here we have a good number of games. uh, And a lot of them were pretty action-packed. So let's talk about it here. Starting with Kansas Wesleyan versus Midland here. Midland traveling to Kansas Wesleyan uh, to play them uh, for the first time in their house this season at least. And so here we go. In the first quarter, Midland starts out on offense and they go three and out. Um, they... I don't, I don't know what they were trying to do here. Uh, I, they, they try to go and convert a really long fourth down. And so I say three and out, but they didn't punt it. They kind of just made, I don't, I don't know. It was a turnover on downs, basically, uh, on a long incompletion. So there you go. But to get this party started, Brianna Hernandez-Silva, quarterback for Kansas Wesleyan, goes ahead and rips off a pretty long 40-yard rush to get them into Midland territory and into the red zone just like that. And she would actually go ahead and finish this drive off herself with a nice rushing touchdown to take the lead. She would then throw the conversion, making it 7-0 very early on in this game. Now Midland, um, they're trying to find something going here and unfortunately they find themselves in a 4th and 11 situation near midfield. They try to throw it on 4th down here going for it one more time but Angel Roman uh, gets a pretty easy interception. This ball was pretty inaccurate and so this would go ahead and put Kansas Wesleyan on offense here and so on offense Silva she finds Jada Wilson on a nice 10 yard reception that would get them the first down also putting them into Midland territory and then here we go fourth and six for Kansas Wesley and a couple plays later they complete a pass to the receiver but the receiver is called short and so Midland gets a little bit of a break here and takes over after a pretty strong uh you know showing on defense here But the offensive woes continue for Midland as Kendra Velasquez-Monroe for Kansas Wesleyan gets a pretty big safety, uh, pulls the quarterback's flag in the end zone there. Uh, I I don't know what was going on. I I think she maybe just didn't diagnose the blitz as fast as she could, and so... There you go, Kansas Wesleyan, they get the two points, and then Midland also punts the ball to them here. And so, Kansas Wesleyan, they're trying to, you know, get something going here. Uh, they're up 9-0. to zero. They will hopefully want to go up by, you know, a legit two scores here with a touchdown. But a drop pass on third down eventually causes them to punt this ball here. And so Midland, they have the ball. They're trying to drive, but the struggles continue as Alexa Mansur gets her first collegiate interception. Congrats to her. She is part of the PMC fam and basically kills another Midland offensive drive and so here we go Kansas Wesleyan back on offense here up nine to zero Silva finds Wiley on a 30 plus yard reception that puts them into uh, Midland territory after that um I I believe it's Silva she pitches it to Wiley who takes it about 20 plus yards putting them into the red zone about five ish yards away from the end zone here 
And then after that, uh, a couple plays later here, it's fourth down. Brianna Hernandez-Silva dances around in the backfield here, avoiding uh, rushers and uh, tacklers. And she eventually, after a while, finds Angel Roman, who, by the way, makes an excellent contested catch for a nice touchdown reception here. It would also get the conversion. Jada Wilson catching this one, making it 16-0. to Now, Midland, they get the ball, and then they go three and out. Nothing really to talk there. Uh, just not really on the same page here as the struggles continue here. Kansas Wesleyan, on the other hand, you know, puts together a pretty methodical drive that gets them into the red zone. It does come down to a 4th and 9 with about 4 seconds left. Um, Hernandez Silva does kind of just throw it up into the end zone, hoping somebody catches it, but it is incomplete. And so Kansas Wesleyan goes into halftime up 16-0 to as Midland is struggling mightily on offense here. Getting some breaks on defense for sure, but offensively just not being able to sustain any sort of drive right now. And so here we go. Third quarter. First play of this half here, uh, Brianna Hernandez-Silva takes off scrambling on a power option play. And honestly, if it wasn't for her stepping out of bounds, she would have been gone. As it was a pretty nice 40-plus yard scramble to get this party started. No problems here for Kansas Wesleyan on offense. And so keeping it going, Silva does find Jada Wilson for about 15 yards, and that play would put them in the red zone. And then Silva would go ahead and cap off this drive with a rushing touchdown. Also getting the conversion, making it 23-0 to here. Now Midland, they are just absolutely struggling to move the ball. And they decide to go for it on fourth down. I believe this is the third time they're going for it on fourth down. Didn't get the other two times. And they don't get this one as Kansas Wesleyan does stop them short. And basically have a pretty short field to work with here. And so here we go. Silva throws it to Angel Roman. Who breaks a couple defenders ankles honestly. Like just puts a move on him. And runs it in for an easy touchdown. Don't get the conversion. But they're up 29-0. to Now at this point in the game. It is basically over here in the third quarter. Kansas Wesleyan would go on and beat Midland 35-0. to uh, Their quarterback struggling with three interceptions. Angel Iowain at quarterback. Uh, she threw three picks this game. Uh, Brianna Hernandez-Silva, though, for Kansas Wesleyan did go 11-24. of 20 for 145 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, 107 rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns. Five touchdowns on the day uh, with over 250 offensive yards total absolutely amazing and then angel roman our playmaker of the week from last week in week six had another great performance two interceptions three receptions for 40 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns here now one thing i did want to note is that uh, they did put in midland did put in haley stanton at quarterback very late, I think she maybe had a drive or two, nothing significant, didn't really have uh, too much time to work with there. And so, you know, I think some of us may have thought, and especially here on the podcast, some of us thought that maybe Angel Iowain had this quarterback position locked up. But a loss like this to a team like Kansas Wesleyan, you know, doesn't exactly bode extremely well and so definitely had us keeping an eye on that quarterback position as it still might be in flux to be honest with you but moving on here right after that game we had ottawa versus midland 
And uh, Ottawa here, you know, not starting their starting quarterback in Madison Carrera, starting their backup on purpose in Sydney Root here. Madison Carrera would actually go ahead and play the, the night game here against Kansas Wesleyan, but Ottawa decided to hold her out of this game against Midland, which is a very interesting decision here but you know it's never a bad thing to get your quarterback some reps here uh that should show you the confidence of ottawa to be honest with you but getting this game started here angel ireland uh starting this game at quarterback despite throwing three interceptions the last game you know they want to see if she could get something going here against the defending national champs and so here we go she starts out pretty well actually hitting a receiver on an at route for about 10 yards this sets up a fourth and eight here but Ottawa on defense, they are very smart situationally. They force her to scramble, and she is taken down well short of the downs marker. And so Ottawa, just like that, takes over on offense. And so, like I said, Sydney Rude here at quarterback for Ottawa. She is the backup quarterback for them. Uh, completes her first pass of the game over the middle, and I believe possibly her first pass as a starter. So there you go there. After that, she would then hit a receiver on a nice out route for the first down, which would also put them in the red zone. Uh, two drop passes in a row would bring up a third and 12 here. Rude would scramble for about five yards, bring up a fourth down. And then here we go. It is fourth and eight here in the red zone here. Sydney Rude basically throws it up. This is a 50-50 ball, a 101-looking uh, matchup here. And Jaslyn Camacho, she goes up and gets it. Just out-leveraging her defender and coming down with a very strong catch here. Uh, not only getting the touchdown, but giving Ottawa the first lead of the game. Rude would then find Budaway over the middle for the conversion, making it 7 to zero here now for Midland they're trying to find something on offense and so it is third and six after a Sade Irvin handoff which basically gains no yards and then a short check down which is dropped so it's third and six here uh, Angel Island on the run does complete a pretty low pass for first down and a seven yard completion regardless still completed it so there you go uh, Midland has something to work with here then she does throw two straight check downs that don't really go for anything here uh, and then she has an open receiver here on third but does slightly overthrow it and so that basically brings out the punt team for Midland as they punt it to Ottawa Ottawa having some issues of their own maybe it's the new quarterback here uh, but two false starts uh, for Ottawa kind of hurts them here they do find Claire Bodeway on a deep uh, curl but that's only enough to make it fourth and eighth and so Ottawa decides to punt it here instead of risking it so a little bit of miscommunication on both sides on offense so far here and then on the first play of the drive on this drive for Midland Iwain uh, almost throws a pick to Jennifer Anthony, who drops kind of an easy one here. Her momentum basically uh, took her forward, and she dropped it. If she did get the interception, it definitely would have been a pick six, but it wasn't, so she gets away with one there. Um, but doesn't matter as this Ottawa defense comes up big, and they go ahead and sack Angel Iwain before she could pitch the ball, bringing up a third and 23. Um... After that, she would hit her check down. Check down is swarmed, probably just like how they wrote it up. And so Midland goes three and out 
and they punt it once again. Now back on offense here, uh, Ottawa, they're trying to get something going with their backup quarterback. And so Sidney Rucci hits Jason Camacho, who makes two strong catches in a row, getting them over midfield. But then uh, Rude hits Clara Bodaway, who just breaks the reception loose for a 40-plus yard receiving touchdown. I got to be completely honest, as somebody who's just watching this game and as media, it was pretty horrible flag pulling on that game. It looked like a couple Midland defenders thought that they pulled Claire Butterway's flag or thought that their teammates would eventually pull a flag. And so it really just resulted in like three or four defenders kind of just standing there as Claire Butterway breaks away for a 40-plus yard touchdown reception. And so uh, not great effort here by Midland's defense here. And Ottawa, they would get the conversion, making it only 14-0. to Still a close game, a two-score game here in the second quarter. And so, uh, you know, this Midland team at this point kind of just needs to wake up as it was the offense struggling now uh the defense you know kind of giving up a pretty bad play right there and so here we go on offense angel Arwin tries to throw the ball away on a deep curl which is also almost intercepted but she takes a sack instead after getting the initial first down here um she would try to get something going finding allison moffair over the middle but it would result in a fourth and nine. And so here's what happens here. Midland, once again, trying to go for it on fourth and nine here. Under pressure, she throws it short. And number four, Haley McKay for Ottawa intercepts it. It's basically like a punt. Um, a penalty is called on Midland for illegal contact. And so OU, regardless, still gets the ball. Like I said, this was basically a punt, but not the greatest decision here to throw it short and to also basically be throwing an interception as well here. And so here we go, back on offense. Clara Bodaway having a very good game here. Uh, makes an amazing catch, skies for it, and then literally stops in place. Doesn't move, doesn't juke, doesn't do anything. Looks at the two defenders for a whole second. The two defenders are basically frozen in place. I don't know why they're not lunging at her. And then she runs for the first down, getting them into Midland territory. Not great defense, I'm going to be honest. You know, just a, 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 li a, little, a little out of it honestly for Midland here in this game I mean they've had a kind of a tough day so far this is only a two score game so I don't know what is going on here but um, definitely not great effort here so far and so here we go Sydney Rude does find Claire Butterway on an out route and then finds Addie Orsburn on a swing route which sets up a fourth and three here Sydney Rude does Barely miss a throw to a wide open, and I mean like wide open, Jaslyn Camacho. And so Midland kind of catches a break here and takes over, despite not playing the greatest defense on this drive. Still, though, got to keep in mind, it is a 14-point game. If they score here, it's a one-score game going into half. Um, but, unfortunately, Midland, they are, the quarterback's throwing a lot of checkdowns, and so Ottawa, they love that, and so basically... <laughs> Basically, you know, Ottawa forces Midland to throw another check down, I believe, on fourth down. And uh, they don't get it. And so they're short. And so Ottawa takes over on 
offense. And so on offense, Sydney Rude uh, having some struggles of her own. I mean, this is the first game she's starting, so that's understandable. Still up 14-0, though. But she does overthrow Jasmine Camacho again, which brings up third and 15. A false start on Ottawa brings up third and 20. And, uh, you know, the, at this point, it's uh, the two-minute warning. And so here we go. After the two-minute warning, Bailey Hodgins, she gets the pass. Uh, this is a double pass here. And so I believe Ruth throws it to Hodgins. And then Hodgins is aiming for Alyssa Linkus here, who is wide open, uh, but just misses her on the throw. Just an inaccurate throw. And so Ottawa, with a rare punt, punts it back to Midland here. Midland with another chance to potentially make this uh, one-score game. But on the first play of the game, uh, honestly, it was just a bad decision. It looked like she was trying to force it to a receiver. And it wasn't there as Haley McKay intercepts it and returns it about 30 yards for a touchdown. And so instead of cutting into this lead here, uh, they go down by three scores right before half. Camacho does get a tough uh, reception here for the conversion, making it 21-0. to And then, to, I guess to add salt to the wound, not that this could get any worse here, uh, Nina Grave de Peralta would intercept the last pass of the half for Ottawa here as uh, Midland just not getting anything at all on offense here. But Ottawa, you know, not playing their cleanest game either as they do start the third quarter with a bad snap. It literally goes right over the quarterback's head, making it third and 20. Um, you know, they run another play, don't get a lot of yards. They decide to punt it. Midland, they take over at midfield. Angel Ireland still at quarterback here. Uh, she gets sacked on first down. I... I don't know why I put a question mark here. But you get sacked on first down here. And this would eventually result in a Midland 3 and out. And so they would punt it. And then Addie Orsburn on the punt return. Returns at 50 plus yards for a touchdown to the house. I believe this is the first punt return touchdown of this NAI women's flag football season. I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure this is the first uh, returned touchdown on special teams. So there you go. Uh, they would also get the conversion on the slant, and Ottawa goes up 28-0. This game is basically over here. Uh, Ottawa does win this game over Midland 41-0 here. A little surprising here. Midland, um, I mean... Maybe not super surprising that Midland lost to Ottawa, but in my opinion, it was surprising that Midland didn't did not put in their backup quarterback Haley Stanton at all in this game, despite being down twenty eight to zero early on in the third quarter. And so, uh, look, I I hate to be that guy, but as media, we gotta report it. You know, uh, Midland's quarterback Angel Ireland just did not have a good day. Zero touchdowns, seven interceptions, and a couple pick sixes here. Uh, I believe she had two pick sixes against Ottawa and then another one against Kansas Wesleyan. One does have to wonder, like, hey, you know, maybe it wouldn't hurt to throw in your backup quarterback and compete. You know, this, this is definitely still a quarterback position that is a little shaky for Midland here. Maybe she does have to settle in. And I get it, Ottawa's a pretty good. Kansas, Kansas Wesleyan is not bad, but 
with the amount of talent you got over there, got to think that eventually Midland has to get something going here. So, so there you go. You know, but just a very, very tough weekend for Midland here. Uh, just not doing a great job here. Not scoring at all in either game here, which is definitely a first for them. So, um, so yeah. So there you go. But let's talk about Ottawa here real quick. Sydney Rude uh, in her first start, 16 of 25, 148 passing yards, two passing touchdowns. Uh, this Ottawa defense, like I said, also grabbed four interceptions. Haley McKay with two interceptions and a pick six. Brianna Beto with a pick six at uh, near the end of uh, this game here. I believe it was in the fourth quarter. And then Nina... Grave de Peralta, I believe is how you say that, also got an interception in this game. Uh, Hannah Suquina for Ottawa, also grabbing three sacks as well. As Ottawa does beat Midland very, very soundly, 41-0 with their backup quarterback. Keeping this thing going, though, uh, let's go ahead and talk about this Kansas Wesleyan versus Ottawa game. This was the big one to look out for on Saturday. Uh, Ottawa, obviously, number one in the KCAC. Kansas Wesleyan right behind them at number two. And so, you know, the vibe was if Kansas Wesleyan could maybe catch a dub at home, this would be big for them in the standings. Uh, and so here's how it would go down here. Madison Carrera back at quarterback for Ottawa and leading Ottawa on offense to start this game here. And so here we go. Carrera on the run finds Jasmine Camacho who stops and catches the ball for a nice first down. Good route there and good throw. Does put them in Kansas Wesleyan territory on about a 10-yard reception here. Then here we go, 3rd and 13 a couple plays later. Um, Carrera finds Camacho one more time over the middle. That makes it a manageable 4th and 4 here. And on 4th and 4, Carrera scrambles for the first down, keeping it easy, keeping it simple, extending the drive here as they do go into the red zone here. And so in the red zone, Carrera hits Orsburn on a throw. It's now third and four after that short reception. But Carrera would cap off of this drive with a rushing touchdown from herself with about six minutes left in the first quarter. They'd also get the conversion, making it seven to zero on a very nice drive by Madison Carrera. Now, Kansas Wesleyan on offense here. Unfortunately, illegal contact would push them back here. Um, on uh, Legal contact on third and seven would push them back a couple yards after their own quarterback, Rihanna Hernandez-Silva, did scramble for a couple yards here. Um, on third down, Silva does take a shot downfield, but barely misses it here. That brings up a fourth and 15, and then they go ahead and decide to punt it back to Ottawa, uh, not getting too much here on their first drive of the game. Now on, on offense here, uh, Carrera hits Orsburn on a nice little spot route, and she takes off for a 50-yard touchdown reception, putting Ottawa up by two scores right before the quarter ends here. Um, they would get the conversion, making it 14 to zero here. Now Kansas Wesleyan, there's still a little bit of time left in this quarter. They're trying to get something going here. It is third and 16 after completing a pass and misfiring on two, by the way. And oh my goodness, Brianna Hernandez-Silva throws it deep, and I mean deep, 
to Jada Wilson, who is in one-on-one coverage, and she mosses the defender with a full extension reception, and then goes ahead and scorches that DB for about 50 yards, and a Kansas Wesleyan touchdown. Now, the conversion is called back because of illegal contact. Kansas Wesleyan did originally get that, and uh, the second conversion, because they do get another try here, is no good but regardless, you know, Ottawa does lead 14-6, but Kansas Wesleyan, you know, not going away just yet, shows that they're still out here, gets on the board here, and makes it a one-score game right before the second quarter. Now, in the second quarter, Ottawa finding themselves in a little bit of trouble. Uh, it is fourth and one, fourth and one situation here. Madison Carrera, for a split second, is rolling out, has an open lane, um, but I... I think it looks like that she's about to throw it or something or maybe she was just shifting the ball. But the ball definitely slips out of her hands and you know how it goes. Fumbles, I mean, they're spot fouls. And so if it doesn't fall forward and it falls backwards, it's a spot foul. And so um, a very rare mistake by Madison Carrera here as they do not get the fourth down conversion. And Kansas Wesleyan starting in Ottawa territory here with a chance to go ahead and, you know, potentially tie this game here. Or at least get another touchdown here. But on third down, Ottawa does sack Silva, making it fourth and seven here. Now, it is fourth and seven here. They're going hard count, and Silva does get this Ottawa defense offsides here. They call encroachment on the Ottawa defense, and it becomes a fourth and second opportunity for Kansas Wesleyan. For Kansas Wesleyan instead of a fourth and seven opportunity. And so here we go. You know, Silva gets the ball rolling out here. She can run for the first down as she has done before here. But she decides to throw it a little bit late here. I don't know if she wanted to make that throw this late or if she was just caught in a decision between running it and passing it and just was too late in making that decision. But doesn't matter as Ottawa's Nina Grave to Peralta makes an excellent interception, absolutely killing this opportunity for Kansas Wesleyan here. A very, very tough mistake to make here when you have a chance to potentially make this a much closer one-score game at the very least with a touchdown and so Ottawa taking over on offense here after um, after that failed fourth down conversion earlier on here Carrera does scramble right for about 10 yards and a first down putting Ottawa in Kansas Wesleyan territory now after a couple checkdowns here it is third and six here for Ottawa in the red zone here and so here we go Carrera uh, goes ahead and throws it to her center number 26 for a touchdown they don't get the conversion but they do lead 20 to 6 a pretty commanding lead uh, if you're Ottawa here up by 14 and so here we go Silva with a chance to reply back for Kansas Wesleyan does drop kind of a low snap here. The snap could have been better, obviously. But dropping this low snap does push them back a couple of yards. A miscommunication on the next play would also make it a third and 14. I believe this would be a drop reverse or something like that. It was just that. I mean, it was a miscommunication for sure, though. Not out of it quite yet, though. Brianna Hernandez-Silva does scramble um, and gets a first down. A penalty is thrown uh, on odd one, so this contributes to that first down after that scramble. Um, and then a couple plays here uh, later, Ottawa 
basically shoves the blocker. This is illegal contact, and so that gives Kansas Wesleyan another first down, back-to-back first downs on basically penalties. That puts them in Ottawa territory here but Kansas Wesleyan is struggling to take advantage of some of some of these opportunities here as it is third and 22 and Silva does launch it deep but number eight Nina uh, Grave de Peralta comes up with an excellent and I mean excellent full extension interception here that in my opinion, kind of deflates this Kansas Wesleyan team just a little bit here with about a minute 45 left in the half. So here we go, Ottawa trying to go for the kill here to put Kansas Wesleyan away by going up three scores right before half. Starts with Madison Carrera finding Clara Boat away on a nice 10-yard reception that does get them into Kansas Wesleyan territory here now once in here Carrera hits Courtney Wiley who's wide open down the middle for about a 10 yard or so reception that would put them in the red zone and then to finish off this drive Madison Carrera does it herself runs it in for a touchdown they would also get the conversion going up 27 to 6 right before half now it's looking pretty tough here. Kansas Wesleyan did have a couple opportunities to score, especially after crossing into the other side of the field. They just haven't been able to convert on some of those opportunities here. And so here we go, third quarter. Hannah Serquina gets a huge sack on second down, making it third and 13 for Kansas Wesleyan, who started on offense uh, to start this uh, third quarter here. And so after that, Silva takes a shot downfield, but it's overthrown, and so Kansas Wesleyan punts as the woes continue. Now, Ottawa's on offense, and for a second uh, in one of these plays, it looks like Angel Roman has an interception off the deflection. But they call it illegal contact instead. And so Ottawa kind of gets away with a turnover here as it is not counted as a turnover. And so Madison Carrera makes the best of this opportunity and throws another touchdown, basically putting this one away as they do get the conversion and make it 34 to 6. Now Ottawa would eventually beat Kansas Wesleyan 41 to 6 in part thanks to Madison Carrera who just went crazy this game. 29 of 38 passing, 248 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, no picks, uh, 50 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, and then Nina Gravedead Peralta for Ottawa also had two interceptions that were pretty key in this game as well as Ottawa takes care of Kansas Wesleyan 41 to 6 and stays atop the Casey AC for now. Now fast forward to March 31st here. Um, basically today when I'm recording this as this will be released April 1st. Uh, I guess happy April Fool's Day. I almost forgot about that. But anyways. Uh, on this day we have Midland versus St. Mary. And then I also believe we have another game here. A couple games going on in the Sun Conference as well. Which we will talk about. Now before I talk about Midland versus St. Mary here. Uh, I believe Cotty College was supposed to host or do something like that. Uh, but unfortunately something came up. I think it's weather. And so they go ahead and postpone these uh, two games that they had on this Thursday. And so we'll talk about that another time here. But here we go. We have some KCAC action. Midland going to uh, St. Mary's here to play them. The last time Midland was here, 
you know, they went ahead and uh, beat St. Mary in a pretty close one, or at least on paper, it looked like a pretty close game here, as they did beat them 38-25 to on March 17th. And so here we go, Midlands trying to, you know, repeat that win as they have taken some L's in the uh, time since. But they're trying to repeat here in St. Mary. And so they get the party started on offense here. Casey Thompson making a great catch to get them to pass midfield here. But unfortunately, Midland does stall out after passing midfield, missing a number of open throws downfield. Um, right decisions, just not being able to make the play as they would go ahead and punt it back, or punt, well, not back to, but punt it to St. Mary for the first time today here. And so the Spires taking over Galbraith to Jerrica John Johnson on a jump ball, a 20-plus yard reception that would go ahead and put them into Midland territory. After that, Galbraith finds Ashland Tuss on a check down who gets them into the red zone. But Casey Thompson for Midland does make a very good heads-up play here, catching an interception off of deflection here and returning it back for Midland, not for a touchdown, but for at least a couple of yards here. And so here we go, back on offense, Angel Iowane starting at quarterback, finds Casey Thompson over the middle for a nice 20-yard gain that would get them back into Spire territory. Um, and once they're in Spire territory here, Angel Iowane throws a 30-plus yard touchdown throw to Cheyenne Duran, I believe, who just got free. Uh, she was pretty much wide open after the corner that was covering her fell down. Uh, and so there you go there. But Midland, they will take that lead going up 6-0. And it stays that way uh, after they were not able to get that conversion here. And so St. Mary's back on offense here with a chance to reply back. Cheyenne Galbraith finds Ashaya Smith, who makes a nice move for about a 20-yard receiver. Uh, a lot of that coming after the catch. Uh, after that, a couple plays later, Galbraith does find Smith one more time on third and six, who makes a nice move and gets a good amount of yards after the catch, putting them in Midland territory, also giving them the first down. Now, right before the quarter ends, Galbraith does take a shot downfield to a wide receiver who is open, but misses it, and it is overthrown. And so, here we go. It is the second quarter. Still a pretty close game. 6-0 to zero here, Midland leading. And so, St. Mary's, they know that. They know if they get a touchdown, they'll be in a pretty good spot here. And so, Galbraith, she does find Ashland Tuss on another nice 15-plus yard reception over the middle. That also gets them into the red zone. Now, Galbraith here, once in the red zone, rolls out, voiding a two-person rush, and throws an absolute dime, a dot even, to a wide-open Ashland Tuss for a touchdown, tying this one up. They would also miss the extra point, so it stays tied here at 6-6. Six to six. Now, Midland taking over on offense, looking to get back this lead from the Spires team here. Iowain finds uh, Thompson and Irvin a couple times to get them into USM territory, hitting them on some short routes here. After that, Iowain does take a shot downfield, but a receiver falls down, making it third and long. If the receiver kept running, there's a good chance that th they would have had a chance to make a play on it, but her falling down obviously hurts the results of that one there. So, there you go there. But doesn't matter as Angel Iowane does find Michaela Nunez who gets a nice reception and a couple of really good yards after the catch that would put them in Spire 
territory. Now, a couple plays later, it is third down, and Angel Island makes a defender miss and runs it in herself for a touchdown here. They don't get the conversion, but Midland has a pretty good lead here at 12 to six here now st mary they stall out on offense very rare that that happens uh galbraith missing an open receiver on third and long here and so that would go ahead and force a punt now after they punted it you know this was a very short-lived victory here as jerica johnson uh would go ahead and get an easy interception giving st mary the ball back right right in midland territory as well this is a very clutch interception she definitely baited the quarterback into making this bad mistake and so there we go there she grabs an interception and gives uh, the spires a little bit of a break here and a little bit of a break they get as Galbraith does find a wide open Ashlyn Tuss on a 40 yard touchdown reception, tying this game just like that. Uh, the Spires here showing that they only need an opportunity to get back into it. And so they would also get the conversion, pitching it forward to Tuss, uh, who gets the conversion and the lead, making it 13 to 12. So far here, Ashlyn Tuss does have two receiving touchdowns this game here now midland back on offense trying to retake this lead here uh they pitch it to Shade irvin gets about a nice 15 plus yard uh 15 plus yards on the scramble there but midland does stall out as there are some accuracy accuracy issues on the quarterback's part just missing some easy open passes here and there and so eventually they punched or they punted back to the spires here now, St. Mary, uh, with a chance to extend their lead here, pitch it to Jerrica Johnson, who goes in and runs this one and gets a good number of yards here, getting them into Midland territory. Right after that, Galbraith makes an accurate throw to Caroline Simpson, who makes a great catch, by the way, having to stop real quick to make the catch and then control her body enough to stop her momentum and uh, make a defender miss before diving for the end zone. She is called short, though, right before she could score. There's maybe a couple seconds left in this half. But no worries, as they would go ahead and shuffle past it to number 14, L Ellie Campbell, who gets them the touchdown and extends this lead as well. Uh, Galbraith would then find Jerrica Johnson for the conversion, making it 20-12 to here. Now, right before half, Angel Iowain takes a shot downfield. Um, you know, just a Hail Mary shot. And Jerrica Johnson... Grabs an easy interception and almost returns it for a touchdown before her flag is pulled here. And so just like that, Midland was leading 12-6. to Now they end a half losing 20-12 to here. Now to start this second half here, Cheyenne Galbraith at quarterback for St. Mary's on offense first. Uh, she would go ahead and throw an accurate throw on a post route. Oh, but the receiver drops it and that would force them to punt this ball here and so back on offense midland angel Irwin scrambles getting midland into usm territory and then she takes a shot downfield in one-on-one -on -one. i believe it's either shine durand or michaela nunez who's there and they're both taller than caroline simpson but it doesn't matter as caroline simpson skies for a great interception on basically a jump ball throw and also gets a really good return returning it about 30 plus yards and gets them pretty deep into Midland territory here really making them pay here as Angel Iowain throws her third interception of the game here um, her 10th interception of the week 
basically so far, which is pretty tough here, not going to lie. And so St. Mary, they take advantage of this great interception by Caroline Simpson, and Galbraith makes a perfect, and I mean perfect, like right in the breadbasket, 30-yard throw to the back of the end zone, finding Jerrica Johnson, who snags this one for a nice touchdown reception here. Um, they would also not get the conversion, but it doesn't matter as they are winning this one 26-12 here. At this point, Jerrica Johnson having a pretty good game. Two interceptions and a touchdown so far here. Now, back on offense, Midland struggling to get anything at all as they straight up go three and out on offense and punt it right back to the Spires here. And so here we go. Cheyenne Galbraith trying to extend this lead, finds Ashlyn Tuss on a nice throw over the middle, getting them a fresh set of downs in Midland territory. And then Galbraith finds Jerrica Johnson, who is on fire, fights through the coverage and makes a great contested catch for a first down on a nice 10-yard reception. Uh, I believe she basically ran a curl route and then just had very strong hands and went up for it and got them that first down now the spires have a chance to go up by three scores here right before the fourth quarter and they try to trust me they do they take a couple shots in the end zone um a couple of them were open but maybe the timing was slightly off and whatnot and so midland kind of catches a break here and they basically force a turnover on downs after they are not able to score a touchdown in four downs here right up in the end zone or right up in the red zone i should say and so boom there you go that basically ends the third quarter here in the fourth quarter midland they are trying to get something going it's only 26 to 12 if they could score a touchdown here they could potentially make it a one score game but Caroline Simpson coming up very clutch with her second interception of the game here, giving St. Mary's the ball back and killing another Midland drive, one that they sorely needed, by the way. Uh, the ball on this one was just overthrown here on fourth down. Caroline Simpson was there, and she also got a pretty nice return here, getting them into Midland territory here. This is, uh, I believe, Iowa's fourth interception of the game at this point here. And so here we go. Uh, St. Mary's on offense. Galbraith finds Jerrica Johnson, who makes a very nice catch on the sideline for about a 20-yard reception, putting them um, into the red zone at this point here. Now, the Spires here, they have a chance to go up by three scores, really put this one away, but a botched handoff on second down would push USM back, and this would eventually result in them stalling out in the red zone one more time as Midland takes over on downs. Now, this time, Haley Stanton is finally put in at quarterback and look she definitely deserves reps I mean when you have a quarterback that's been struggling against a couple uh, you know uh, different teams here at this point you gotta see what you have at your backup quarterback here and so Haley Stanton ready to play here uh, she starts this one out a little conservative here scrambling for a couple yards just trying to get this offense going get some momentum going which isn't the worst thing in the world honestly um, and this results in them getting to midfield and then after that, once they get to midfield and get that first down, uh, Haley does try to take a shot downfield. She has a receiver. It looks like the receiver almost has a step on the corner. But Caroline Simpson, uh, great recovery speed here, makes an excellent pass deflection and actually almost intercepts this one, uh, which would have definitely put this game away. But settles for the pass deflection. And so here we go. It is 4th and 11 for Midland here. 
And so Haley stands and throws it to Cheyenne Durand, I believe, uh, on a comeback route, or at least it looks like a comeback route, as she goes ahead and make, goes up and gets the snag, and then splits a couple defenders and takes this one 30-plus yards to the house for a touchdown. Haley Stanton, right after that on the conversion, will then rush it in, um, getting the conversion as well, making this a one-score game, 26-19. to uh, The Spires only leading by seven points, and all this happens right after the two-minute warning. So there's about a minute 50 seconds for uh, the Spires here to run out the clock. And so USM, they go ahead, get the first down here. They have a chance to get another first down over midfield. That would push them past uh, into Midland territory. But this pass is dropped. And so that one kind of hurts as Midland's defense stands strong here. And forces a punt with less than a minute left in this game. After an overthrown deep shot by the Spires here. A little questionable on the play call. Not going to lie. I would probably run it here. But it doesn't matter. They take a shot here. Uh, obviously they don't get it. And so this results in a punt. And so Midland has a chance to tie this one up with about... 45 to 50 seconds left in this game, making a little bit of a comeback here, putting in a new quarterback. And so here we go here with a chance to tie this one up. Haley Stanton finds a receiver over the middle uh, for a nice 5 or 10 yard gain here. Receiver dives for this one and so that basically puts them at midfield here and then they call a read option play here stanton fooling the defense as they all flow to Shade irvin who is the decoy here while haley stanton goes ahead and takes off 10 yards untouched and then makes a couple defenders miss and takes this one uh, before you know it 20 yards into St. Mary territory here for the first down and also putting them in the red zone as well. There's about 16 seconds left in this game. An exhilarating play by Haley Stanton to keep this offense alive with a chance to win this one. So here we go. 16 seconds left in this game. Obviously, they called a timeout right after that happened. And so they call up a pretty good play here. Haley Stanton aiming to split the safeties here, trying to find Casey Thompson on a post route. And she throws it. It's an accurate pass. Thompson's wide open. And it is dropped, or at least it looks like it is dropped here. Um, it might have been a little bit too far inside, but it definitely looked like that Casey Thompson might have been able to make a play here. And so that is a tough, tough play to happen here. At this point, you'll take anything, honestly. And so if you're dropping touchdowns or, or just missing opportunities, that's never a good thing with this much time left on the clock. But... No worries, there's still 11.8 seconds left here in this game. And so they still have a couple chances here to take a couple shots into the end zone and potentially tie this one up. And so here we go right after that. Um, basically, they call a similar play here. It looks like they have a seam route up the middle. Uh, it also looks like uh, USM is running a cover three. But Caroline Simpson comes up clutch intercepting this one literally coming out of her zone i had to watch this one twice because it looked like caroline was playing either a cover three zone or like her third of the zone or a cover four zone i couldn't tell if there were more players uh, on the other side of the field here but she basically comes out of her zone 
to go ahead and intercept this ball that was thrown up the seam here. Just a great read by Caroline Simpson as she not only gets her third interception of the game, but basically wins St. Mary this game here as they go ahead and beat Midland 26-19 to in an absolute thriller of game. Couple stats to talk about. Like I said, Caroline Simpson, three interceptions this game. Um, all in key parts of this game as well as I believe she got all three interceptions in the second half here just clutching it up so uh, good stuff for her she also had a couple receiving yards obviously I don't have those stats uh, but she definitely did come up with a couple big receiving yards um, not only on offense but also on defense she returned a couple of those interceptions deep those first two interceptions that she returned did set up that last touchdown that USM would score that will put them up by two scores. And then um, uh, the last two picks that she got obviously killed Midland drives there. So there you go. Uh, Jerrica Johnson had a receiving touchdown in this one. Also was probably the lead receiver as far as receiving yards go as uh, she popped off. She was very reliable and she kept a lot of drives alive here. While also unaliving two Midland drives, getting two interceptions of her own here. And then last but not least, Ashlyn Tuss for St. Mary did get two receiving touchdowns, both in that first half, I want to say. So, altogether, very quality win for a St. Mary team that was looking to get back in the win column here, uh, losing some close ones, or at least feeling like they lost some close ones here. And so they go ahead and take care of business, um, winning this one 26-19. Now, Midland... Definitely struggling, not going to lie. Definitely struggling a little bit here. Um, scoring only 19 points in these last three games here. But almost winning this last game, thanks to Haley Stanton, you know. Uh, Haley Stanton, she's only ever had two drives, like, at most in a game all season. And so, honestly, maybe it's time for Midland to... Uh, Try Haley Stanton out a little bit here. See how that goes. They gave Angel Iowana a chance. Uh, and she made some great plays. You know, but as of recently, it might be worth looking into uh, having a new quarterback and seeing how that goes as this offense was moving down the field. And honestly, if it wasn't for a great Great play by Caroline Simpson, literally coming out of her zone to go ahead and play the seam route here. I mean Midland would have scored probably on that play. It wasn't a bad ball. It was where it was supposed to be. But like I said, just a great play by Caroline Simpson. Uh, just taking care of that driver and taking care of business. And so we'll see what Midland does here. You know, at this point, Midland, you know, they're trying to work with what they have here. They still have a lot of young pieces here. So no surprises. They are getting better um, defensively for sure. Offensively, though, they got to help out the defense, you know. Offensively, you got to put some points on the board, uh, keep the defense off the field and all that great stuff. And so we'll see what Midland does. Maybe they roll out a different quarterback here in the coming weeks. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that situation. Now, while that thriller was going on in Kansas... Down in Florida, we had another thriller basically going on at the same time. They both had the same start times at around 3 p.m. Central Time. So I was watching both of these, like, literally next to each other, pausing some of them from time to time so I wouldn't miss too many plays. So just keep that in mind here. Uh, both of these games are going on. But this other game that I want to talk about was St. Thomas versus 
Warner here. And so let's just go ahead and hop into it because this one was a thriller, just like that St. Mary and Midland game here. But in the first quarter, Madison Tingen, she is finding Cynthia Holmes very early on here, getting her the ball a lot. And this proves effective as they basically get into the red zone uh, just by using that connection here. And this Warner offensive drive would basically end with a direct snap to the running back number 15. And uh, I, I can't find the name to number 15 here, so I'll probably have to look that up next week here. But they do a direct snap to the running back who gets them into the red zone. Uh, the conversion is picked off, though, but it makes it a nice 6-0 to zero lead. Now, St. Thomas here rolling out Julianne Yolkowski. Her, I believe this is her second start ever here and so she's here at quarterback she finds dolce here who puts them near midfield making it third and five here then on third down she does find her uh receiver faradas for the first but a penalty actually pushes them back pretty significantly here uh significantly here and so it's still third down they have to repeat it but they're like back almost 15 to 20 yards from where they were at and so they have some work to put in here and so Yulkowski she finds Destiny Francois on a nice crossing route on a pretty good 20 yard reception here that gets them into Warner territory uh and a new set of downs here and so uh Destiny Francois kind of bailing them out of that tough little situation early on here now a couple plays later it is fourth and ten like i said they are in warner territory so they decide to go for it they throw it but the ball is batted down here and so warner goes ahead and takes this one over sticking to their strategy tingen to holmes uh, early and often finding her whenever possible here as uh you know she puts in a lot of damage against the st thomas defense uh, almost single-handedly to begin this game now here we go, we're in the second quarter. It is about fourth and short for Warner here. And so Madison Tingen, she takes off scrambling and runs it for about 15 plus yards for a touchdown. And I think there was a little confusion on the defense. Uh, definitely some missed pulls there. And so, you know, this quarterback scramble was kind of unexpected. Maybe it wasn't unexpected, but for her to run it into a touchdown for that long of a touchdown... Definitely had the defense reeling just a little bit here, uh, which kind of hurt them. Now, on the conversion, it is intercepted by Rayona Baker, and so Warner only leads 12-0 to zero here. Now, back to St. Thomas. They have the ball. They're driving a couple plays later. They find themselves in a fourth and short situation at mid field now they convert it and they go ahead and cross into warner territory so crisis averted but once in warner territory a couple of incomplete passes forces st thomas to punt this one back to warner here and so a little uneventful for a little bit here now tension she is sticking to the plan finding homes whenever possible hitting her other check downs when she is not open as well and so it is fourth and short here and this time they can't convert as St. Thomas takes over with about 46 seconds left in this half. Uh, trying to score here and make this one a one-score lead a little bit more manageable. But Michaela Michael for Warner gets a nice sideline interception with about 35 seconds left in the half. And gives Warner another opportunity to potentially score and make this one a three-score three game, excuse me, a three-score game. And so here we go, Warner, they are driving down the field. It comes down to this play here, and to Shumbo Washington, 
absolutely mosses the receiver for an excellent interception in the red zone, by the way. And so Tinjin, she tried to throw it to a receiver that was 1-1 in the end zone. Deshumba Washington, she won that match up there and stops this Warner drive here. And um, basically lets this one go to half here. As, you know, St. Thomas, they're only down 12-0 here. Warner, though, still having a two-score lead. So here we go. Third quarter, it is third and ten for St. Thomas, and Yolkowski finds Destiny Francois in stride over the middle for a scorching. Now I mean scorching, because she burns all the defenders on this one. 60 plus yard touchdown. They would then get the conversion on a slant, making it 7-12. Just like that, St. Thomas is right back in it here. Now Warner uh, back on offense. Tingen finds Holmes on a nice 15 plus yard reception who lays out and gets this one uh, getting the first down here. After that Warner finds Hamilton on a short route getting them into STU territory but on fourth down a couple plays later they go deep to Holmes and that pass is broken up here and so St. Thomas takes over with a chance to either take the lead or tie this one up. So here we go, Yolkowski finds Francois, who gets them into Warner territory on some nice yards after the catch. Francois putting in a lot of work for the St. Thomas offense here. After that, Yolkowski finds Riona Baker in the end zone for a touchdown on first down. But Rayona Baker cannot complete the catch here. She drops it. I think maybe she was looking for a penalty, like unnecessary roughness or something like that. Um, but regardless, she does drop this easy touchdown here. And so that one kind of hurts them a little bit. As Yulkowski does scramble for a couple yards after that play. Getting them, you know, closer into the red zone. About five yards away from the end zone here. And so, um, after that play, Yulkowski then hits her check down Dolce. Who comes up about a yard short. Making it fourth and short here. And so here we go. Fourth down. With a chance to score here. They're maybe a yard or two away here. And Yulkowski throws this one a little low into the dirt. Uh, tough for her receivers to go ahead and make a play. And so Warner stands strong in the red zone and takes over on downs. And so Warner, you know, they have another chance to go up by two scores. But it's to Shumbo Washington with a diving interception. An absolutely great play here by a great playmaker. Giving St. Thomas the ball back with 13 seconds left in the third quarter. And most importantly, not allowing Warner to score right before the fourth quarter. And so in the fourth quarter, St. Thomas, they are driving, trying to score here. It is a one-score game at this point. Uh, a touchdown could potentially win this one. And so they're keeping that in mind here. They only need one touchdown. And so they're driving, but Cynthia Holmes comes up with a huge interception for Warner in the end zone here to give Warner the ball back with another chance to extend their lead here. But... Um, <laughs> on offense here, Rayona Baker for St. Thomas in a pretty big scare for Warner. So Tingen completes the pass to a receiver and then Rayona Baker for St. Thomas, uh, without pulling her flag or anything like that, basically just takes the ball away from her and then runs it into the end zone here. Now there's a little bit of confusion and whatnot. The refs, I guess, threw a flag here and I guess the call was uh, pass interference or something like that uh, as they called this one back and give Warner the ball back 
as well here. And so Warner kind of getting a little bit of a break here in that one. And that that would have won them this game, uh, potentially, or at least give them the lead in this game if that did go through here. But no worries here. Tingen, she finds Jade Hickey on a nice 10-plus yard reception that does... that. Puts them into St. Thomas territory. Couple plays later, it's third and ten here. They throw it to the receiver who tries to pitch it, but it doesn't work out. Ball drops to the ground. So it's basically fourth and ten here. And so here we go. This is a key fourth down conversion. If Warner wants to put this team away, they gotta get the conversion and then hopefully score after this. But to Shumbo Washington for St. Thomas. Comes up clutch again with a key pass breakup on fourth down. That will basically give St. Thomas the ball back. Looked like she almost intercepted it. But regardless, it's all good as they would get the ball back on that fourth. After that fourth down play here. Now St. Thomas, they are driving here. They cross into Warner territory. Um, after a couple flags are thrown on Warner, this game's a little chippy here. And so just keep that in mind. But a couple flags are thrown and that kind of puts them into Warner territory. Now Julian Yukowski, she takes a deep shot right before the two minute warning. It's about a 50-50 ball but it is deflected. Her receiver did not quite have the leverage there. Now, after the two-minute warning, she takes another shot down into the red zone. But number 15 for Warner gets a huge red zone interception here. Uh, basically ending this game. That's what I actually wrote here, which is really interesting. Uh, I wrote that they basically ended this game here at about a minute 50 seconds here. Now, just keep that in mind. That's what I thought at this point. I was like, all right, Warner's going to run out the clock. At best, maybe St. Thomas gets the ball back, but they're going to need a couple miracles to happen for that to happen. Um, for them to get the ball back and then for them to even have a chance at scoring a touchdown. And so, here we go. Warner, you know, they are trying to just use up the clock, throw a couple short passes, run the ball here. And so, it brings up a third and ten here when all is said and done. I believe St. Thomas had their timeouts here, and so they were calling timeouts as they went. And so, third and ten here. Tingen drops back, throws it, and Deshumbo Washington almost intercepts this pass but could not bring it in. Still, though, comes off as a pass deflection. I think the clock stopped as well. And so this will basically force a punt back to St. Thomas, uh, who gets a really good return. And I don't know if they uh, do what they do without this return on the punt, but they get a nice return back to around midfield here with about 46 seconds left in the game. They have about 50-ish yards to go to potentially win this one. And so Warner... I mean, they they had their chance to run out the clock. I think they really only needed a first down. Could not get it there as this STU defense stood strong. But here we go. We're on offense here. Uh, STU's on offense here. Yolkowski, she hits her drag route. Uh, basically could not get out of bounds, so they go hurry up before throwing it deep. That pass on that deep, though, is deflected here. Almost picked off, actually. Uh, I believe it was 15 who almost intercepted this one. Uh, not quite a deflection as it was a dropped interception, to be honest with you. But at this point in time, the clock is stopped. You know, St. Thomas, they still have a couple chances here to uh, to win this one. So they're not out of it just yet. So here we go. Yokowski finds her check down Carissa Dolce, who gets a good 
good couple yards here, gets some good yardage here, and basically puts them in the red zone right before St. Thomas calls uh, their last timeout, I would assume, of the game here. And so here we go, just a couple seconds left here. I don't think St. Thomas has any more timeouts, and so if the clock is rolling, they got to go. So that you just got to keep that in mind. And so here we go, uh, Yukowski drops back, evades the pass rusher, and then throws a touchdown to number three, Rayona Baker. But this one is called back because of tripping and so not only does this touchdown not count and by the way Riona Baker making an excellent catch getting one foot inbounds at the back of the end zone here and so not only does this touchdown not count but they are also pushed back a good number of yards here um, almost to midfield at this point maybe a little bit past midfield but they do have one more play to run about a I think I think the clock ran out on that last play here, and so with that being said, you know, this was almost an untimed down, I want to say here, and so here we go, this is the last play of the drive, it's a Hail Mary pass, I think everyone knew it had to be a Hail Mary, unless they did some sort of hook and ladder type of thing, but they go with the Hail Mary, and Yolkowski throws it deep to number three, going back to Riona Baker, who caught it last time, and she catches it on a 50-yard touchdown reception here, mossing, crossing into the red zone winning this one on the very first walk-off touchdown of this 2022 season and possibly the first walk-off touchdown um ever in nei women's flag football history saint thomas getting a huge dub over warner winning it 13 to 12 here in an absolute thriller of a game here look i'm just i just gotta be honest with you warner they had their chances to put this one away you know they were a first down away from putting this one um putting this one away they were a dropped interception from putting this one away they had their chances here but today was just not their day as St. Thomas pulls out all the stops here. Oh my goodness. Pulls out all those stops here. Getting a bunch of stops thanks to Tashumba Washington. Who had two really key interceptions in this game. That not only stopped Warner drives. But also prevented them from going up by three scores. And extending their lead and so on. She also got two pretty key pass deflections. That both resulted in either a turnover on downs or a punt and so she was huge and obviously a playmaker of the week candidate just playing the way she did here and then you also have Riona Baker she intercepted a conversion after that second Warner touchdown if Warner got the conversion on that uh after that second touchdown there they would be up this game would probably be tied here and it would come down to a conversion and so they wouldn't have lost on a walk-off touchdown like that and then obviously rayona baker coming up with the huge like hail mary touchdown reception here uh, not only once but twice basically catching it that second time um i mean what were the odds that was gonna happen she caught it the first time they ruled I mean, they ruled it a touchdown, but they caught a penalty, and so they made this one even farther. And then she comes back with a longer touchdown reception. Oh my goodness here. I mean, St. Thomas, they just had it going for them. They fought throughout this game, and I have to give them a lot of credit, because uh, I'm not going to lie. At one point, I did say this game is basically over with a minute 50, but they fought back 
got the ball back, had a very good punt return. You know, I got to give them that, you know, had a very solid punt return and then basically found a way to get it done here. Uh, also, as Julian Yukowski, not only being the first one to potentially complete a walk-off touchdown pass in an in NAIA history, but also getting her first uh, career dub as a starter. So, so there you go. Congrats to St. Thomas, man. Playing a heck of a game, honestly. And Warner not even playing that bad of a game, just missing out on some opportunities. Uh, just a couple plays here, really. Really, it came down to, like, a play. Like, if they made a play, then this game would be over. You know, this game, they would have won this game, whether it was a deflection, interception, whatever. It came down to a play, basically. And so, a very thrilling game here to kind of close this one up. But we do have a one more game that we're going to talk about, and that is Florida Memorial versus Kaiser coming up next here. Alright, let's talk about this Kaiser versus Florida Memorial game. Uh, Kaiser not playing in a couple weeks here, having a good amount of time off. So, uh, going into this one, you know, they are 5 and 1. Well, at least I believe they're 5 and 1. And then uh, Florida Memorial, 1 and 6. And so, this game, I mean, look, not, <laughs> not, it wasn't super like crazy or anything like that i'll go over the big plays that happened for sure though but you know early on in the first quarter diamond Mays at quarterback for florida memorial did throw an interception to maria vega who basically returns this one for a touchdown and so there you go a kaiser would get the conversion here and so they take the lead six to zero now a couple minutes later in the first quarter uh we have kaiser they're back on offense lead a pretty methodical drive down the field and jasmine Roden would eventually end this one finding kennedy foster for a nice nine yard touchdown making it 12 to 0 uh but then she would go ahead and complete the conversion to rodriguez here in the first quarter so they would be up 13 to 0 here in the first quarter after that pretty much nothing else happened uh nothing too crazy here as it was a uh, pretty much a stalemate florida memorial kind of holding uh their own a little bit here throughout this first half as it was 13 to 0 going into the second half here and honestly, there, there aren't even any turnovers <laughs> that are happening either. They're just uh, going three and out or four and out here. And so that's kind of the name of the game here leading into this third quarter. And Florida Memorial would actually get the ball to start off this third quarter. But unfortunately, they would kind of stall out here around the five-ish, six-minute mark here. And Kaiser would get the ball. And so here we go. Jasmine Roden, she finally gets a really big pass off to Chloe Griffin for about 41 yards here. Right after that, she finds Kennedy Foster for a second touchdown of the day on a nice little 10-yard touchdown. After that, uh, it's basically a game of keep away as Florida Memorial is just struggling to um, just complete some of these offensive drives. Playing pretty solid on defense, but just struggling to complete some of these offensive drives. As in the fourth quarter, uh, they do end up punting it. And then, I mean, basically after that, uh, Kaiser takes up a pretty good chunk, about four or five minutes of the quarter before punting it back or giving it back to Florida Memorial who uh, 
doesn't come up with anything after that. I mean, a little bit of... I think this illegal forward pass kind of hurt them on this drive, and so that's why this one would not result in anything here. Now, to make things a little interesting at the end here, a Florida Memorial did intercept a Jasmine Roden pass, Erica Johnson making that interception here, uh, but they could not get anything going as this uh, clock basically works against them and they run out of time, offense struggling a little bit, but the defense finding some footing here, uh, holding Kaiser to only 19, doing a pretty good job there. So there you go, Florida Memorial loses to Kaiser, 19 to 0 and a pretty close one if you ask me honestly kennedy foster she did have two touchdowns in this game uh maria vega i believe also had a pick six in this game and uh, honestly those those are the plays that mattered when all was said and done those are the games that basically won them this game here so um so yeah there you go that is week seven here Coming up next, we're going to talk about power rankings, our power rankings uh, after this uh, pretty eventful week seven. All right, what's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. We're going to talk power rankings here uh, after this week seven. So just going to throw this out there. Obviously, Cotty did not play their games. If they were to finesse a dub today, you know, that could have uh, shook this up a little bit more. But for the most part, um, kind of another quiet week, to be honest with you. Uh, very A very quiet week, despite having a ton of exciting games. A lot of these teams you know, basically beat the team that was ranked below them and whatnot, uh, did what they had to do. And I think there was only one matchup, I want to say, where uh, that didn't exactly happen. And so that team naturally moved in front of them. But uh, let's go ahead and get into this. So as you know, I have my own personal power rankings. Cody has his power rankings. And then we basically just talk it out and decide, all right, what are the official playmakers corner power rankings and so that's how that works um well that's an abbreviated version of how this thing works but let's go ahead and get this thing going at number one nothing really has changed uh we both have thomas at number one they didn't play this week um or at least what we're classifying as this week here cody said no reason to move down the only team to topple both of the championship teams from last year. Uh, this is a nice break for a team that has been playing hard and um, plays the best defense in the country, currently allowing nine points per game, which considering, you know, how offensive focused um, and how good offensive schemes need to be for you to be a competitive flag football team, that's pretty good, as they have shown that they could play very good defense, have arguably the best defense in the entire country, and then still find a way to get it done on offense. Also, I believe their quarterback, Shelby Hartley, also won uh, Player of the Week in the Sun Conference this past week. So congrats to her, you know, obviously. But yeah, Thomas at number one, that's a no-brainer for now. At number two, uh, we both had Kaiser. Cody said Kaiser didn't obliterate Florida Memorial as many might have expected, but a win's a win. A, oh, uh, what? But a win's a win, a win. 
is what he said. And there's no reason to bump down this team boasting multiple playmakers, um, including multiple award candidates, end-of-the-year award candidates, like quarterback Jasmine Roden. And he said, my current vote for offensive playmaker is Kennedy Foster. There you go. Spoiler alert, but that is the uh, front runner for Cody there. Um, Kennedy Foster is up there for me too, but I'm not exactly going to, you know, spoil what my vote is. Not yet. So... Yeah, yeah, there, there you go. But Kaiser at number two. Um, I mean, we're not gonna, <laughs> we're not gonna hurt them for only scoring 19. That's still pretty good. Florida Memorial is a growing program that's getting much better. Now, at number three, we both have Ottawa, so Ottawa is here. Cody says another weekend of obliterating the KCAC <laughs> keeps Ottawa here at number three. I feel like they can win their conference without playing perfect. And now would be the time to experiment and strengthen some things before the national tournament. Um, absolutely agreed here. You know, obviously starting Sydney Rood against Midland, I personally think that's a pretty smart idea. I think Ottawa was good enough to beat Midland there, even without their starting quarterback. And so it's never a bad thing to have Sydney Rood out there, you know, just in case. Obviously, Madison Carrera, she's doing her thing. She is absolutely killing it right now by the way and honestly she could probably use a little bit of a break sitting out a game that you feel like you could win it won't hurt you so there you go Ottawa's at three um not out of it just yet here I mean they could still be a huge threat in the national tournaments and I think that's what they're focused on and I think teams uh you know they they got to be ready for Ottawa come that national tournament you know they have some real motivation going on right now after suffering those two losses from a couple weeks ago Go, which I guarantee will still sting the same come come nationals. So, hey, just just saying, just saying. At number four, we both have Weber. Uh, Cody says, despite St. Thomas's dub, Weber doesn't deserve to slip. Breeza and this defense, as in Breeza Robinson and this defense, uh, better buckle in as well as the rest of this Weber squ squad for this intense stretch to end the season here. We'll be talking about next week's games. Weber's going to continue to get tested. Right now, I, I think Cody could probably agree with this. We are both not really looking to move up Weber unless they continue to prove their dominance. And so, you know, if they get a couple dubs here, uh, these uh, well, basically, the end of this regular season, then, you know, we'll see. You know, maybe we'll move them up above Ottawa, potentially. But at number four is not a bad spot for a team that is figuring it out and uh, getting it going. Uh, by the way, Weber didn't play this last week, so, so just keep that in mind. Now, at number five, we have St. Thomas. Uh, we both have St. Thomas, so there you go. Uh, he said, Cody said, St. Thomas secures the closest win of the season in a day that had two intensely close wins. I thought about moving them up to the four spot, but I couldn't move Weber down. Uh, Yulkowski put in some serious work on the final drive, including a game-winning touchdown, and the secondary caught fire in the second half to pull out a dub by the skin of their teeth. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I... I'm, the only reason they're not moving up is because I don't know if I could put them quite past Weber yet. I feel like they would have to beat them first to do that. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now with them. Uh, Julianne Yukowski, she played a very good game for the most part. Had some, you know, rookie mistakes here and there. But I like the potential that I see. I think I 
see where St. Thomas is going with this. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they approach this quarterback position moving forward because I thought, and maybe my eyes were playing a trick on me, but I thought I saw Jada Graham suited up out there, and I believe she was St. Thomas's starter last year, and so if Jada Graham's coming back, maybe they can make a bit of a run, or they stick with Yolkowski and, you know, have Jada Graham play somewhere else. Obviously, she's a fantastic athlete, so she can't afford to do that, you know, and so, uh, you know, we'll see. Or maybe they run a two-quarterback system, or... Yeah, I mean, it's a two-quarterback system, like uh, like some teams have out here. Kaiser runs a little bit of that. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. At number six, Warner. Um, they're not moving up or down. At this point, the six teams I've talked about so far have not moved up or down. And Cody and I are basically in agreement that they aren't going to do that. So that is solidified in this week's power rankings. But basically, Cody said, close, but no cigar. I thought about punishing Warner, but honestly, this game could have gone either way, but they need to cut back on turnovers in order to be seriously taken, or sorry, in order to be taken seriously in the top five. I, I would have to agree. I think Warner is a team that started off really hot, you know, and I think that's, that's like their potential. Maybe not their ceiling, but pretty close to their ceiling. Their floor has been probably these last couple weeks. Just kind of sloppy football, you know. This is definitely a game they should have won, no doubt. Um, maybe not a game they deserve to win, even if they did win it. But this is a game they should have won by a little bit more here. They had opportunities to score and make this a three-score game and kind of, like, put this thing away. But they didn't, and that's definitely an issue. I mean... Warner, you know, they've they've had a little bit of trouble converting extra points as well. And hey, you know, Nationals is coming up. You got to do better. You can't be missing extra points near the end of this season, man. You're going to be playing in a lot of important games, whether it's uh, that conference tournament or that national tournament. And, you know, missing extra points like these, it matters. And, you know, they missed both extra points today and they lost by one point. That's, that's a tough go, but that's a lesson they'll learn. They're still a young team. They'll figure it out, um, and they're also still growing together as well. So I'm not completely worried about them, but eventually you got to... I mean, you got to get it going back as, I mean, you got to get it going again uh, pretty soon here as well as this regular season is maybe a couple weeks away from ending. So, so there you go. And then we're hitting the postseason and you don't want that to end early. So yeah, there you go. Uh, at number seven, we're both keeping Kansas Wesleyan here. Cody says KWU had their way with Midland before having to turn around and face Ottawa. If they played like the first quarter all game, there'd be a bigger conversation for movement here. But call it fatigue, call it inconsistency, but the gap in the KCAC is not because of talent necessarily. I Cody's being real cryptic there. Look, in my opinion, I think Kansas Wesleyan arguably has the same level and amount of talent that Ottawa does. Now, Ottawa, you know, those players, they glued together really well. They all know the roles really well. Um, not that Kansas Wesleyan players don't, but you do have a couple freshmen that are starting there that don't have last year's collegiate experience. And so there's some stuff there. But honestly, in my opinion, I do think, and in Cody's opinion as well, he just didn't say it in his quote, Kansas Wesleyan is a talented team. You know, come come the end of the season here, they're probably going to upset somebody in the top five. Let's just keep it real here. But against Ottawa, I mean, 
that's a game they probably could have won. It just got away from them. I know I didn't mention this in the recap, but that game was super chippy as well. I mean, you got to stay focused, especially when you're playing at home. I don't know what was up with that, but when you're playing at home, I mean, you have to stay focused. You have to be locked in mentally against teams like Ottawa that have all this talent and chemistry. Because if you're not locked in, I mean, small mistakes aren't going to cut it. I'm just going to be honest. Small mistakes aren't going to cut it. And so, we'll see about this Kansas Wesleyan team. This is definitely a team that can play with some of these big dogs here in the top five and beyond. But, if I mean, it just really depends. Are they going to be locked in? And are they going to find that rhythm to play with these top dogs quick enough? So we'll see. But right now they're at number 7. Kind of in the middle here. You know. Uh, but definitely potential to get better. Maybe this year isn't their year. But next year they could be extremely dangerous for sure though. But we'll, we'll just have to see how this season ends. It's still, um, you know, we have a couple weeks left here. We have the KCAC tournament. We have nationals. And, uh, I mean, time will tell. You know, their game will tell. Uh, when all is said and done. So, so yeah, there you go. Alright, moving on though, at number 8 we have our first change in our power rankings. And basically we're just moving St. Mary's up to 8 here. I believe last week uh, St. Mary's was actually at 9. Yes, they were at 9, and then Cody and I moved them up to 8 this week, so they're moving up a spot. Uh, Cody said Caroline Simpson should reach the FYP page again. <laughs> It's just FYP. The P stands for page full. But he says, <laughs> he says Caroline Simpson should reach the FYP page again after a depoy level, defensive playmaker of the year level performance that included ice in her veins to close this contest against Midland. Excellent win and much needed for the confidence in the Spire Squad, hashtag Spire Squad. I don't know why he put in hashtag Spire Squad after that. But, uh, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, look, this St. Mary's team, I think a lot like Kansas Wesleyan, has a lot of talent, too. Now, they have been playing without their uh, number one receiver for a minute. I honestly don't know if she'll be able to come back by the end of the regular season. Maybe postseason, but we'll just have to see about that. Until then, you know, Caroline Simpson, she is killing it. Um, first off, at receiver, she's been killing it there. But on the defensive level, I think she has been very underrated. And she has been doing her thing over there as well. I don't know if she allowed any pass any passes uh, this last week. And she got tested kind of a bit. So, so there you go there. And then, you know, the St. Mary offense as well. You have Galbraith, who's uh, finding her stride. She connected uh, on some big deep passes in this game. Uh, still mobile as ever. You know, being able to scramble, give them a second dimension there. Ashlyn Tuss has been really good at safety and at receiver. This is at least her second or third game uh, getting a receiving touchdown here. And so Ashlyn Tuss is a real, very key part to that team as well. And then last but not least, you have your speedster, Jerrica Johnson, who is killing it on defense and offense. I mean, she's racking up these picks and touchdowns and these yak yards like it's nothing. Look, this is a team that has some talent, and they're slowly starting to put it together. I think this is a real confidence booster. Now, they still have a bit to go here. You know, beating Kansas Wesleyan would probably go a long way. And then after that, you have Ottawa in your conference. But 
you know, this is a good step forward. Avenging a, uh, you know, avenging a loss against a team that you played just a little bit ago and really only lost in a shootout. So, so there you go. You know, um, I think St. Mary is here at eight and this is a pretty good spot for them. Now on our official power rankings at nine, I went ahead and made, <laughs> I, I made an executive decision here. And so at nine, I'm actually putting Florida Memorial here. Cody actually ranked Florida Memorial at 11, but we talked about it and we agreed that we, um, I mean, we agreed that we could put them at nine here. And so Cody said about FMU, he said almost moved Florida Memorial up for their tough competition against Kaiser. These glimpses get me excited, but I need a consistent shine from FMU. I get that. I get that. But you held Kaiser to like 19 points. And so I'm actually going to move Florida Memorial up to 9 because they did a nice job against them. And honestly, really, I feel like it's always been this way. But offensively, they just got to get something going, man. Um, they, they need to find a quarterback or somebody who's going to be a consistent playmaker and score. Like... They get all these yards, which is wild, because they really do get all these yards, but they just can't find a way to score. And I think that's just obvious. That's the obvious next step, you know, in their development here. Defensively, I think they're athletic enough to really hang with any team, but, you know, you need your offense to help you out, unless you're just going to be set on playing a perfect defensive game, which is a lot of pressure and really hard to do uh, compared to playing a perfect offensive game. So, there you go. But I have Florida Memorial at 9 because of their showing against Kaiser, and they've been picking it up lately. You know, they've been uh, showing me a little bit. So, so there you go. I have them at 9. Cody has them at 11. We'll talk about the team that displaced them later on here. At 10, though, we both have Cody here, so Cody stays at 10. Uh, Cody said no movement here yet, uh, but they honestly have two games that seem more and more winnable as the days press on coming up, especially after regrouping following their first ever program dub. Uh, definitely agreed. I mean, they didn't play this last week, but, you know, there's definitely some things to be excited about uh, after that first dub and I was looking forward to seeing them play this Thursday or today the 31st but unfortunately those games were postponed and so we'll see how that affects the rankings down the line I'm sure it definitely will but for now they're still in the top 10 at 10. Now at 11, I have Midland here, and I'm going to read what I, or I'm just going to say what I thought about Midland first before Cody does, uh, or before I read off what Cody said here, but I honestly have Midland at 11 because, I mean, look, they played through games, Kansas Wesleyan, uh, St. Mary's, and Ottawa, right? And I get it, you know, like Ottawa, obviously, that's probably not a game you're going to win, but for Ottawa to put in their backup quarterback in Sydney Rude, and honestly, just for some, just it wasn't their best effort game in general in that game against Ottawa. Like they looked pretty defeated. Uh, I can't, I can't put them over Florida Memorial, who beat them, you know, earlier on this season and hasn't really shown any signs of giving up like that. Because uh, honestly, that just put a bad taste in my mouth because, I mean, look, you have, you're playing against a backup quarterback. Like, there's no reason for you to stop pulling flags or to wait for somebody to do that. Now, watching the St. Mary's game, they definitely bounced back. I liked what I saw. 
But also, they were definitely leading this game 12-6, to then let St. Mary's score 20 points or something like that in the second and third quarter. And they just couldn't get it done. And honestly, honestly, I mean, that's a game they should have won. I, I can't defend that. I, I just can't. You know, that's definitely a game they uh, should have won against St. Mary's. They should have been 2-0 at St. Mary's. So... That's just what I'm saying there. And then against Kansas Wesleyan, I mean, I kind of expected that game to be closer. Honest, like, honest to God, I, I did. You know, even maybe Midland upsetting Kansas Wesleyan, but uh, that just that gap felt as big as ever in that game. And unfortunately, I mean, I just can't keep them in the top 10 here. Uh, I think it's appropriate to have them at this 11th spot for now. Now, let me read off what Cody said, and I'll explain... And after I read off what Cody said, I'll explain what I meant by for now. So Cody said, and this is his words, I almost hammered Midland after an abysmal and uninspiring performance on Saturday that almost put me to sleep. I won't hammer them too much after Haley Stanton nearly led a game-winning drive before a drop touchdown and and an incredible... I can't talk, oh my gosh. And an incredible athlete made a play of the week. I'm not sure who the quarterback is, but one has been given multiple full games to play, and the other has never even gotten a continuous half to prove anything. And this controversy could be a cancer that eats this Midland team to shreds. Now that's very dramatic, okay? We're just gonna, that's very dramatic, but it's also true. You know, I think, uh, honestly, Angel Iowain, she has her flashes and all that, but she definitely has been given noticeably more chances, at least in-game, than Haley Stanton. And in some of these games, they're blowouts. So, like, for Haley to not get more than two drives, like, she hasn't played more than two drives, I think, in any game, or at least more than three drives in any game this regular season. And Midland has one win on their schedule and we're past mid-season. Look, I, why not? Why not, right? Start Haley Stanton for a whole game and just see what you got, you know? Um, it's not like any of these regular season games are going to hold you out of the national tournament anyways, to be honest with you. So, you might as well see what you got because, I mean, I kind of have to agree, Haley Stanton, I don't know if they get that close to beating the St. Mary's without her. I mean, obviously, you know, that Cheyenne Durant, though, was a little bit lucky. I mean, that was more Cheyenne Durant making a play. But, oh my goodness, putting her team in position to score after they got that punt on that 20-yard, like, rush off that read option where she just fooled everyone and just got out there. And then she almost threw the game-winning pass just, just slightly off. I mean, it wasn't most accurate, though, because then, you know, Thompson would have caught it because it would have been right on the money. It was a little off. But still, though... A makeable catch. Why not? You know, that's all I'm saying. Why not? Why not? Just 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 start, you know, play Haley Stanton. Give her more drives than two in a game. And we'll we'll see. You know, but for now, I think I have to put them at eleven. They showed potent they have athletes over there too. It's not like they don't. Sade Irvin, great running back. She's somebody that could definitely take over a game. But when teams are pressing up like that in the box, that's she doesn't have much room. Um, Cheyenne Duran, I think, is a legit wideout one. 
Allison Moffair, real good wideout too. Maybe wideout one, depending who you ask. Michaela Nunez, I, I think is a secret weapon who probably doesn't get as much uh, snaps as uh, she probably could. But, you know, there's I'm sure there's some reason behind that, to be honest with you. This is a team with talent, but you got to find a quarterback. And honestly, even if you're rotating quarterbacks and one is hot... I mean, one is cold. I mean, keep the one with the hot hand in and then take out the one that's cold before they throw four interceptions a game. You know, there's no need for that person to throw another one or two interceptions, another pick six or two. So there you go. For now, though, Midland is at 11. I could definitely see them coming back into the top 10. But there's got to be some changes on this offense. They got to be more consistent here. I mean, like I said, they had the lead. Literally, if you just keep scoring, then you you win the game. So, yeah. They're at 11. Cody had them at 9. But on these official rankings, they will be at 11. At 12, we have Milligan. Cody said, tough house. But I wish that they played more games to develop some consistency. Uh, kind of same. I know they're in a weird spot in Tennessee and whatnot. And also, it might be their spring break. But I do wish Milligan played more games. I think they got a lot of potential over there. Um, but they just didn't play this last week, so they didn't move up. Xavier, Cody wrote down shrugs, same. I don't know what's going on, and we're going to leave it at that. So there you go. Uh, week 7 power rankings, one more time. Uh, <laughs> basically the same thing, 1 through 7, but it goes at number 1, Thomas, number 2, Kaiser, number 3, Ottawa, number 4, Weber, number 5, St. Thomas, number 6, Warner, number 7, Kansas Wesleyan, number 8, St. Mary moving up one spot. Number 9, FMU moving up to 9. Moving into the top 10, by the way. Congrats. At number 10, Cotty College stays there. Midland drops out of the top 10 at 11. Milligan stays at 12. Xavier stays at 13. So there you go. Those are our power rankings after this week 7. Alright, let's talk playmakers of the week. There were a lot of playmakers who did their thing. Some doing it per usual. And then some... You know, making some noise out here as uh, first-time Playmaker of the Week candidates. But, you know what? Let's go ahead and hop into this thing. So, um, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, let, let's start with some of these games at the beginning here. Rihanna Hernandez, Silver, quarterback for Kansas Wesleyan. Jeez, what a stat line here that she has. I got to read it off first off. 11 of 20, 145 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, no interceptions. 107 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns, all versus Midland. I mean, do I really need to say any more? She was basically the entire offense for Kansas Wesleyan in this game. And then we have Ottawa's quarterback, Madison Carrera. You know, someone who's been here before. 29 of 38 for 248 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, 50 rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns in a dominant dub versus Kansas Wesleyan. And then for St. Mary's here, this is a first-time candidate. We have Caroline Simpson, the freshman. Three interceptions this game versus Midland. All three coming in the second half, and one of them also being the game-winning interception as well. And then I think another one of these interceptions also set up a touchdown, a quick 30-yard touchdown that would put them up by two scores. So just throwing that out there. And then for St. Thomas, this one was hard to pick because there are there's probably three or four players that could have been up here. Uh, 
first off, Rihanna Baker. I mean, she obviously caught the ball, so she's definitely up here. Uh, she caught the ball that won the game, and then she also got a pretty key interception for uh, well to stop Warner from getting the conversion. And obviously, Warner not getting conversions is what kind of hurt them in this game. So there you go. There. So Rihanna Baker is definitely up there. You could even throw in the quarterback, Julianne uh, Jokowski. I mean, this was her first career dub. It was, I mean, the first Hail Mary touchdown, first walk-off touchdown, I think, in NAIA women's flag football history. If I'm wrong, call me out. But, I mean, at least the first one that I saw this year. So, there you go there. But, uh, I think I'm going to have to actually give it, and this is not that hard, or at least not super hard, but I think I have to give it to Tashumbo Washington. She had two interceptions this game. Um, both of those were key, obviously. Uh, I know one of them was in the end zone, which stopped Warner from literally scoring. Then the other one killed a Warner drive, obviously. And then she also had two pa at least two pass deflections. <clears throat> These two, though, uh, were pretty important. One uh, resulted in a turnover on downs. The other one was on third down and resulted in a punt. Um, a punt that would eventually actually uh, set up this Hail Mary touchdown to win the game. Now, this one's tough. It's always tough to pick Playmaker of the Week. Uh, but I think I have to go with Caroline Simpson from St. Mary's. I Look, she played a heck of a game. Uh, three interceptions this game. Obviously, that's her contribution on defense. But she also had a number of pass deflections. Was tested uh, down the sideline. Kind of a bit, I felt, uh, defended at least two deep balls that... Could have been completed, honestly, if it wasn't for her playing good defense. And then, obviously, she plays on offense as well. Had a couple really nice receptions, including one that would set up a very short touchdown to uh, Campbell, I want to say, earlier on in this game. And so I have to give it to Caroline Simpson uh, in her game against Midland. I mean, I don't think St. Mary's wins that game against Midland without her. So... There you go. Uh, to Shumba Washington, I'm going to give her props as well. If I could give a co-playmaker of the week, I'd probably give it to her, potentially, as well as Caroline, just because, I mean, two interceptions, that was big. Those two pass deflections, that was big. But obviously, I mean, Rayona Baker ultimately caught that touchdown, and, I mean, she didn't throw it to herself either. And so, I mean, look, to Shumba Washington, in my opinion, was really close to winning this Playmaker of the Week. But, I'm just going to throw this out there. She might be my front runner in this Defensive Playmaker of the Year awards. And, you know, speaking of that, let's go ahead and talk about it. First, like I said, Caroline Simpson of the University of St. Mary is our Week 7 Playmaker of the Week. Alright, let's uh, talk this award race here. So... Last week, I did post a graphic with a couple names for MVP, Offensive Playmaker uh, of the Year, Defensive Playmaker of the Year, and Freshman of the Year. Now, you, the fans, could still turn in names uh, if you'd like. Just know that one player can only win one award. So, even though there are players uh, that are in this MVP race that could potentially win Opoi, we are going to keep them uh, separate here so that we could give as much recognition as possible and so uh let me go ahead and talk about some of the players who played this last week and the performances they had that are on our 
uh, award watch list here. And so for MVP here, we have Madison Carrera. Obviously, she plays quarterback for Ottawa here. Did not play against Midland, but in her game against Kansas Wesleyan, obviously still made a count. Threw for 248 passing yards, was 29 of 38. Three passing touchdowns, 50 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. As of right now, I think she is definitely making a very good case as the front runner for MVP. So there you go. Uh, Cynthia Holmes, the athlete for Warner. Now, she did not win this game, obviously. Like, Warner did not win this game. But Holmes had a very good game. I mean, they're relying on her a lot. I don't have the exact stats here. I'm going off of what I saw and what I counted personally. So there you go there. Literally, they just played a couple hours ago, so I can't expect to have those stats right now. But she had at least five receptions. Definitely more, though. Um, was a big part of this offense. And then she also had an interception versus St. Thomas. So doing it on both sides, always a good thing. Then we have Jasmine Roden for Kaiser. A little bit of an off game here. They still got the job done against FMU, but went 12 of 18, 450 passing yards, threw two touchdowns, threw an interception. Still not too bad, though. Uh, still pretty consistent here. And then the last two MVP candidates we had did not play this week. Kayla Burrows, athlete for Weber, uh, didn't play. And then Brittany Delva for Thomas did not play this week either uh but hey by the way happy birthday to Brittany delva i think it's actually on uh the 31st was her birthday so uh so there you go happy birthday from the playmakers corner but anyways moving on we have offensive playmaker of the year let's talk about some of the candidates and what they did this last week here if they played uh but brianna hernandez silva quarterback for kansas wesleyan against midland very good performance, 11 of 20 for 145 passing yards, 3 passing touchdowns, 107 rushing yards, and 2 rushing touchdowns against Midland for a total of 5 total touchdowns and over 250 uh, yards on offense. Killing it, for sure. Then we have Kaiser's Kennedy Foster. Even though it was a little bit of a down week for this team, she's still 8. 9 receptions, 85 receiving yards, 2 receiving touchdowns versus Florida Memorial in that 19 to zero dub um and then we have ottawa's Alyssa linkus she had five receptions for 85 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown versus midland versus kansas wesleyan she had four receptions 34 uh, receiving yards and a receiving touchdown there so there you go Oh, and then I, my bad, I forgot for Silva, she obviously played against Ottawa. Her stat line wasn't as great, but against Ottawa, 9 of 208 passing yards, threw a touchdown, did throw three picks though, but it was also the lead rusher with 66 rushing yards. So uh, a little up and down, but uh, there you go, thought I should throw that in there. And then Weber didn't play this week, so Sierra Harris didn't have any stats to put on for this week. Then St. Thomas's wide receiver, Tyler Bryant, she is on here as well. But she definitely had a bit of a quieter game. I mean, this was a very close one. Uh, she wasn't targeted as much. Like I said, I don't have the exact stats. I'm going off of what I saw. And I just didn't see a lot of passes uh, to uh, Tyler Bryant this game. And so, there you go. But next week, that'll probably change. Now, Defensive Playmaker of the Year. Let's talk about some of these candidates. Uh, Jada Wilson, defensive back for Kansas Wesleyan. Against Midland, she had two tackles. Against Ottawa, three tackles and a pass deflection. 
not too bad there. Uh, like I said, Weber didn't play this week, but uh, linebacker Breeza Robinson is in that conversation for Depoy here. St. Thomas's DeShumba Washington had an excellent week. I uh, made an excellent case for why she should be Depoy, but she had two interceptions, two plus pass deflections uh, in that dub versus Warner. St. Mary's DB Ashlyn Tuss, uh, she had a couple pass deflections here, but I mean, she did most of her work on offense, did have two receiving touchdowns, but this is for Depoy, so there you go there. Like I said, those two had a couple of pass deflections, and like I said, Thomas didn't play this week, but Jada Reese, she is in this conversation for Depoy. Now, finally, we have freshman of the year. We have a couple candidates here, starting with Angel Roman, athlete for Kansas Wesleyan. Uh, man, she had a very, very good weekend here. Against Midland, three receptions, 40 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns, five tackles, two interceptions, one pass deflection, like I said, in that blowout dub versus Midland. Against Ottawa, I mean, they didn't win that game, but she did a solid job, four receptions, 22 receiving yards, and then uh, team leading, uh, leading the team, with 12 tackles in that game. Uh, Weber did not play, so Samantha Wilson, quarterback, she does not have any stats for this week. Kaiser's receiver, Adriana Cavallotti, definitely a bit of a down week here. Um, she had a reception for 8 yards, nothing much there. It was actually fresh, a fellow freshman receiver, Chloe Griffin, who put in a little bit of work here. Uh, so, so there you go there. But, moving on though, we have St. Mary's receiver slash DB Caroline Simpson, uh, also our playmaker of the week. Uh, this week she had three interceptions and two plus pass deflections versus Midland, doing a good job there. Uh, Warner's quarterback, Madison Tingen, I don't have her, the exact passing yards she threw for, but she does have a rushing touchdown in this game, did throw a couple picks though, versus St. Thomas. And then Ottawa's receiver um, slash I think athlete just in general, Addison Orsburn, Addie Orsburn uh, against Kansas Wesleyan had one rush for 48 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. Then she also had two receptions for 16 receiving yards in that game. Against Midland, she had four receptions and 23 receiving yards. So there you go. Those are our award candidates and you know what some of them did this week just wanted to give a quick update there because uh you know we will be having you the fans vote on uh who wins each of these categories once we narrow these down at the end of the season so just keep that in mind and if you have anybody that you want to nominate go ahead and let us know and we'll add them to our watch list here you know we're just trying to show as many players as many athletes as much love as possible you know really spotlight their talents because they're really killing it out here so so there you go all right so we are approaching the end of this episode first off thank you so much for rocking with us and whatnot uh i'm not gonna say the the outro quite yet here but before we go let's talk about week eight here let's talk about this upcoming week some of the games that are coming up because uh you know this is a pretty important week i would say leading up to the end of this season because we are close to the end some teams only have maybe three or four games left so make sure you go out and support them first off um, but, you know, we're, we're coming near the end, so let's uh, preview this week 8 here. Alright, so April 1st, today, when this episode is coming out, 
Yeah, the University of St. Mary plays Kansas Wesleyan at 6 p.m. Central Time. That will be a big one. If St. Mary could potentially knock off a Kansas Wesleyan, that would be big for them. Kansas Wesleyan still looking to you know, continue to prove themselves game by game. This could be a big game for them as well. Then on Tuesday, Tuesday, April 5th, we have a couple games here. Midland plays Kansas Wesleyan, um, and then Midland also plays the University of St. Mary. They play them at 3 p.m. Central Time, so that'll be a nice little rematch a week from now, so we'll see what goes down. And then uh, St. Mary's, they also play Kansas Wesleyan at 5 p.m. Central Time, so a rematch of uh, today's game, of Friday's game. So there you go there. Uh, those three games, Midland versus Kansas Wesleyan, Midland versus St. Mary, St. Mary versus Kansas Wesleyan. Then after that, April 7th, Thursday, we have three pretty big games here, uh, mostly in the Sun Conference. I think all in the Sun Conference here. But at 1 p.m. Eastern, we have the rematch, Thomas versus Kaiser. This is going to be big for our power rankings for sure here. Obviously, I mean, if Kaiser wins, they could potentially move up. If Thomas loses, they could, well, they will move down probably. So uh, we'll just have to see how this game goes. But regardless, it's going to be a good one. If you remember, this was probably one of the first games. I think it was the first game of the season here. Thomas pulled out a real close one against Kaiser here. Now, Kaiser, you know, they've had some time to get going. Uh, you know, they've they've shaken off the rust off of this uh, kind of long break here, you know, with Florida Memorial. And so, they should be ready to play. That should be a very good game between contenders and potentially a national championship uh, preview and potentially a Sun Conference uh, championship preview as well. After that, at 3 p.m. Eastern, we have Warner versus Florida Memorial. Warner looking to bounce back here. Uh, Florida Memorial maybe looking to make the upset. We'll see. Uh, after having a pretty good performance versus Kaiser, we'll definitely see. Then after that, our last game of the week is St. Thomas versus Weber here. If you remember, uh, I believe St. Thomas took care of Weber pretty well a couple weeks ago. Now St. Thomas, they have a new quarterback, you know, are coming off a, a pretty up and down game, but a game they still won regardless. We'll see how this goes. Weber, you know, trying to continue their dominance here. They've finally hit the rhythm. We'll see how this game goes, but definitely going to be a competitive one that might potentially affect our power rankings. So, uh, so there you go there. That is week eight. Um, a lot of really good games going on. If you could make it out there, go support these great athletes. They are doing their thing, putting it out on the line, getting better each game. And, jeez, uh, making for some great stories that we get to cover here. So, so yeah. Alright, so that'll wrap up this episode of the Playmakers Corner Podcast. This was definitely a longer one, but a lot of great games that happened this last week. And uh, just had a great time covering them. And so, you know, thank you so much for rocking with us. If you want to support us on social media, that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, TikTok as well. That's at Playmakers Corner. Go ahead and like, subscribe, follow, do all that great stuff. And then also subscribe to our YouTube channel and Twitch account. You know, we'll be doing live streams, uh, live film breakdowns there. We are mostly focusing on Colorado talent right now. 
but we'll definitely get to covering and breaking down the film of a couple of women's flag football players here soon once things start to slow down. These next couple weeks, there'll be less games, at least after this week eight, there'll be less games. And so we'll do more film breakdowns like the ones we did with uh, Victoria Rojas, or sorry, Victoria Rosas and Jenna Marrero, two Cotty College commits, and also part of national champs in Staten Island Giants and that team. They're part of that squad. Um, also part of the Tottenville High School team up in Staten Island, and also part of Team USA. So there you go. Very good athletes over there. Uh, go ahead and check out that episode from last week if you haven't yet. You know, um, those are the, they're the future. You know, so so yeah. But uh, I think that's pretty much it. Tune in next week. We are going to bring you this week eight recap. And uh, yeah, y'all have a good one.